Today, I'm talking to Walter Baring of Houston, Texas, Martha Turner, Sotheby's International Realty. At the pinnacle of his real estate career that spans 38 years so far, Walter has been a consistent top producer with Martha Turner Sotheby's International Realty. He has been the number one agent in the company in 2007, 2011, 2013, and 2017. He is also a consistent Circle of Excellence Award winner and a member of the Hall of Fame. Year after year, the Houston Business Journal has recognized Walter for his participation in some of the largest home sale transactions in Houston. On the show today, he and I talk about embracing your lifestyle and growing your business. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and our business to the next level. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast, and we have, well, we're top agents, so we'll top real estate agents, so how they do it. Today, long overdue, is my good friend Walter Baring in Houston, Texas, with Sotheby's International Realty. Walter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. I'm I'm uh, I'm glad to be here. I've, I've been following your podcast for a while now, and to be on it, I feel like I've finally arrived here. I've made it. You're long overdue. <laughs> I've made it for having you on the show. We've known one another since the beginnings of this show. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've never managed to get you on. Yeah. And I'm really excited because you've been in the business for a long time and you've got some great stories. Let's start out with how and why did you get in this business in the first place? Oh, uh, thank you. I love that question because, you know, to look at me, you wouldn't know this, but I'm what you call an SOB. Hmm. That stands for Son of Broker. So basically, I was kind of born into the family business. My grandfather, Conrad Baring, he had a real estate company, Baring Realty. He started in 1952 in Houston. And then uh, then my bro- my father went in as the broker. Uh, and then I, I, in 1979, when I graduated from college, I started as an agent there. But I, 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 I really think I started earlier because uh, when I was a teenager, uh, you know, you, you have listings that need to be vacant listings that need the yards mowed or whatever. I was that kid that was mowing yards all summer of our listings. And then as soon as I could drive, uh, I needed gas money. So my dad, he made me what I had an official role of the sanitation engineer or, or otherwise known as the janitor. So I started out in real in real estate as the yard man and the janitor. So, and I've worked my way up from there. I love it. So, and hey. and I may add, when I started in yeah. 1979, uh, the it, uh, Jimmy Carter was president, and the interest rates were about 18 percent. Oh yeah. So, yeah. but I was 20 something and and stupid. I didn't really realize that was bad. <laughs> well, I remember when I bought my first house about. Over 20 years ago, I think. I can't believe it's been... No, it's now one over 20 yet. Anyway, it's about 20. 
interest rates were seven. Yeah. Well. And it was exactly 20 years ago. And I remember my um, dad, I was like, well, should I like, when should I lock my interest rate? Or whatever? And he's like, Jerry, it was like seven and a quarter. He's like, you will never see interest rates. In the house you lived in, the interest rate was 19%. You will never see interest rate. You right. will tell your grandchildren about the interest rates on your house. And here I am. I don't have grandchildren yet. But yeah. I'm telling my whoever will listen about my interest rate at seven when they're complaining because it, theirs today exceeded, might have, might, they're not even exceeding three at the moment. But if it did, right. it's just it's crazy. It is crazy. So. Um. Tell us a little bit about the market in Houston, even though I want to know more about you. But for everybody who mm-hmm. wants to know right now, it is um, this. Our show is actually going to release a week from today. It's September 3rd. So it'll be September okay. 9th. But it's September quarantine. Anything you want to share with us? Just vague. What Houston okay. is like? Houston. Well, when the show release September 9th, <clears> that's my, I'll be 65 on September 9th. So that, that'll be a Happy <laughs> birthday. My birthday present. Thank you. Oh, good Happy to f- know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the Houston market, I, as I said, when I started, interest rates were 18%. We, we historically, we've been followed a lot of the energy sector, the oil. We, we, we busted and boomed with the oil market and, and, um, and, but I've never been through a pandemic before, you know, this, who knew that this was going to be stimulate our market. But honestly, yeah. right now I am absolutely as Martha Turner or broker used to say, drinking out of the fire hydrant. There is just yeah. so much happening. And, uh, I have so many good stories in the past six weeks alone. I have. About I've put in about thirty million in, in pendings, and and Six some of those are double. double those are some of those are double sided as well. So uh, it's been it's been amazing. So that's incredible. But uh, I mean, you're you, you're a pretty big producer as it is. You're one of the top agents in Houston and in Sotheby's, and you've been an agent for how many years? 40, 41. Forty-one. Forty-one. I mean, you're telling us your age now. I gotta find out how long you've been doing this. Yeah. Um, and you were the sanitation engineer in 1979. <laughs> well, no, that's when I, that's when I started as an agent. Like, like. Oh, okay. Yeah. You were promoted out of from sanitation engineer. Right. Nineteen <laughs> seventy-nine. So, you know, you we've got some markets that are not doing so well and some markets that are booming like Houston. We're not going to, we don't talk about the market much on this show, but when you bring up the oil industry and the 18% interest rates, the temptation is too much. What do you find is, um, what do you think it is that is drawing by it? Because like you said, like a lot of people don't have an explanation even. Right. And, and you know, I don't know that I think some of, some segments of our market are not doing well, obviously. And yeah. So I, I can't say it's boom times, but uh, for me, I know when we were on lo- like lockdown for 45 days and we just didn't know what was going to happen. Well, what was happening was people were at home looking on Zillow or what they were looking at real estate or their home with their kids. And they're like, oh, my God, we need a bigger house. Or it's a couple, they're home in a big house and they, we need to scale down or there are families that are saying, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to fly again. We need to get a country place or a beach house an hour outside of town so that we can commute yeah. easily. 
So fortunately, I've had listings in all those markets. So <laughs> I got you covered. I have a, 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 a country property. I had a country property. As soon as this broke loose, I had like six showings. We had offers. And so it, it just, uh, it, it, it has, the, the pandemic has accelerated people's Isn't real estate it? decisions. Well, people are making decisions sooner because it had a moment to be still. Everybody's going to mm-hmm. hear me for a while, quote, and I'm not even through the book yet, Fortitude, written by okay. Dan Crenshaw. Have you read it? I haven't read that. you got to read it. Okay. I'm on the be still chapter right now. <laughs> but the quarantine stage did have us be still and just absorb like our reality, what we're doing, the decisions we're making. I found like today, for example, I um, was looking at a proper, I was talking to a client or not really a client friend about selling because they have the perfect house for another client. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe we will sell because we don't really have to be here. Right. That's not really the way it went before. People were getting a little more open-minded too, maybe. Mm-hmm. Some of my mm-hmm. take on it. Um, all right. So next question. Unless you've got something to elaborate on that. You've got too many years uh, in this now, right? Too many years, but there's there's still a lot. The roads. Uh, I'm I'm I'm. People ask me if I'm ever going to retire. I was like, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> I, mean, I love that. I've been, I've been in this you know, business half as long as you, and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. You know, it takes you. Uh, you know, you you build a business this long to. Uh, 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 I, I was. I wouldn't. I'm not a, a Jonathan Spear. You know, when I was in my twenties, I was not. Selling a hundred million a year in a market and, where nobody had ever done that before either. By right. the way. So uh, you know, I was uh, so you know, I, I've, I'm a, a 41 year veteran overnight success. <laughs> Put it that I way. Love it. <laughs> I love it. So tell us about. Well, first of all, we haven't talked much about your successes. Tell about yourself for a minute. Is where you are in business. I mean, we want, we know one another through. Sotheby's Market Leaders Group is where we met through Bill Fendel, right. one of my favorite human beings mm-hmm. on the planet. And that is a group of, of realtors. I feel like I just got lucky to be there. Right. But most of the realtors are like you, not to undermine myself, everybody, but it's pretty fantastic. Um, and you're the Houston agent um, right. that was in that mastermind group that we met in. Um, so tell us a little bit beyond that about kind of your what you've done well, first you mentioned that group, and I, I, as you, I feel so privileged to be part of it. And and yeah. to me, that's that. Uh, you know, you asked me about our competitive edge, and and that's something that uh, is a huge advantage to to any Sotheby's broker. But for me, I, I for so long I really hadn't. I'd been in the Houston bubble and hadn't really explored outside our market areas so much, and then. To make friends like you and then uh, Nikki Field in New York and Eric Levy in in L.A. and and uh, Chilich and uh, uh, Sean. I mean, all these great friends. For one thing, I love to travel. And now anytime I go anywhere, uh, if I have a friend there, I'm going to look them up and go out. And But uh, to meet with them and pick their brain, learn about their markets is uh, – that's uh, – you know, for one thing, it, it, these these other markets like you know, like Ty Stockton just had that fifty million dollar sale in in yeah. Bale. I mean, and that's just crazy. I mean, we we just don't see those kind of numbers in Houston. You know, we have 
you know, our top, top end is probably closer to 20 million. And, and maybe those, one of those might sell every few years, if that. So we just don't see those kind of numbers like that in New York as well, like what Nikki's doing. And, um, you know, one thing, just leveraging our Sotheby's, other Sotheby's brokers is something that um, is such a great tool. I've used it on listing appointments. Um, I I went on a a really high-end listing appointment a, a month or so ago and and we were just chatting about, uh, they wanted the global reach. And so I was visiting with them about Sotheby's and, and, you know, they, we were talking about how the buyer may be an international buyer from China or Dubai or India or something like that. And, and I just said, you know what? It, it obviously that could be our buyer, but it really doesn't make sense for me to go there and have an office there, but it, you know, and, and, and try and, and find a buyer from there. However, my friend Nikki Field in New York, she does. And I brought her magazine, The Field Guide, and I showed it yeah. to him. And uh, and uh, he liked the idea that we have or that we have the, that kind of reach, those tentacles. And so I told him, you know, if there is somebody in that market, Nikki's going to call me if they're coming to Houston. And so I got the listing. Nikki's going to be the first person in the States to know about him. <laughs> And then uh, right after I got that listing, I, I emailed Nikki and I said, send me a big stack of those magazines. It's now part of my listing presentation. Yeah. Hey, Nikki, Nikki where, where's my stack? That's incredible. <laughs> so on the topic of winning business, we're going to go backwards a little bit and then move back towards the winning business. How did you get your first deal? My first deal? Well, you know, keep in mind, I'm like 23 years old. and, and uh, I'm 27. All right, oh, oh, I'm four years older than you. Okay. <laughs> so you were 23. I'm, go ahead. Yeah, and and uh, and I was working with my dad. We had a uh, our office manager, Ruth Lane. She was kind of like a drill sergeant, and and she would meet with me. She took a special interest because I'm the SOB, and uh, she wants to train the boss's son. So she'd sit down with me every day. We'd we'd go through the newspaper and we'd cut out fizzbos. We put them on an, an index card. And then, and then I, I did all that for like a day. It's like, look, I got my cards and what do I do with them now? And she said, well, you're going to call them. I was like, what? So, so oh, wait, I, that, uh, now I, you got to call them? Right. Yeah, calling them and just talking about real estate. And so often you'd call them, you know, Walter Bering with Bering Realty at the time. And then by the time I got that off out so often, I just go click. So I, I learned a lot of rejection in doing that. And I also learned how to handle objections because as soon as somebody would say something, why they do don't want a realtor or whatever, uh, she was my drill sergeant was in the office next to me. She'd bang on the door, Walter, next time say blah 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 blah. And I'm like, oh my god, am I ever going to be over? <laughs> am I ever going to be rid of this woman? So, wow. So uh, so finally, I'm making a call one day, and I'm like. This is, um, I, was, I was frankly so discouraged with Walter Baring and, and I, you know, I, I'm calling about your house and well, and then this lady says, sure, I'll list my house with you. And I have two others as well. Wow. And, and, uh, and I was wow. like, what? And then I said, can you hold please click? And then I said to Ruth, now list me with me. What do I do now? <laughs> She's like, get the appointment. So anyway, we went over there and I listed a, a sixty thousand dollar house in um, in in the close in area. 
which mind you today is worth six, a little over 600. Wow. I was going to say 60 grand was a lot back then. In 79. Yeah. In my neighborhood, I've had women take me through here and talk about houses they paid. This neighborhood, I say this, and my studio is in my home, my basement. Mm -hmm. But um, homes in this neighborhood are, they've exceeded a million easily. Most Mm -hmm. of them, all new construction, which in Atlanta is right point. Homes are, homes, I've, I've had women take me through here that were, Friends with my mom and my grandparents talk about their first homes were fifteen thousand dollars. Ah, that's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Back to what you said. Real estate is great. See, so, so that you got your first one because you're making cold calls, and a lady, thank goodness, finally said well, yes and gave you two more. Since then, what have you learned about winning business? Well, you know, I, I, I did that, and I'm glad I did that, but. I thought this is not it. That is not my personality. You know, just calling fizzbos and I've done the expires and cold calling. I've done that. And it's just, that's not uh, what, what certainly has worked for me is, is building relationships. And, and uh, I didn't know this, but I was a ninja before there was ninja. And, and from the beginning, it's to me, it's been, always about friends, working with friends, friends of friends, that referral network. These are people that already know you, trust you, want to work with you. And so the work is done before you even walk in the door. You know, it's, it's when I'm most of my business is from my sphere of influence or past customers are referred by someone. And, you know, I, I find that going into a listing appointment, I, I always bring the book that has the comps and everything. And we go through, you know, I, I've gotten to where I just tell them, okay, here's what this book says. This book says that right. none of these is great. Walter is great. And it has comps on your house. Now let's talk about what you want to do. <laughs> because you go yeah. through that book and so often that you just see their eyes sort of glaze, glaze over. over you know, and they're how they're much gone. longer do I have to do this? I don't want to be <laughs> That's not where you want to start. So... You know, the, the, if the work is done before you open the door, that's yeah. that's the battle. So, what is the conversation that you typically have? What's your focus? What are the questions? What are the not even the questions? What is what is the information or the answers you're looking for when you meet with your clients before you sell their houses? Well, first off, I like to get if I see if I can get glean some idea of what they have in mind as far as what their house is worth because. Uh, you know, that's always that that uh, conversation that's difficult. Uh, I've learned from Eric Levy. It's fun to have difficult conversations. <laughs> in, yeah, uh, that, his interview, I've had everybody on my team listen to that. Because oh, he was awesome. Yeah. That interview, oh my gosh, like that interview, that interview is it. That interview is the end all. Every time I try to help them through, I'm like, just go back, go back, listen to the this time yeah. segment. Yeah, and then... I had lunch with him when I was in LA about a month ago and we talked about that. But, uh, and, and I think his point is really good because you, if you have those difficult conversations in the beginning, it can save you a, a, a headache, you know, when you get these listings that are long in the tooth, one, two, three years down the road. Yeah. So have it up front. And, you know, it's a lot easier said than done, but if it does help if you have, 
some idea of what kind of price they have in mind going into it. And then I also like to have, since most people I work with have bought and sold real estate for years, I like to get an idea of what their experiences were in the past with realtors, what they liked, what they didn't like. And, and, uh, so I can know what, you know, what to avoid or what to do and also get yeah. some idea of what, what forms they like in terms of communication. Some people are emailers, text, call me. Um, yeah. everybody's different. And, and so we have to cater to their, their way of, of, uh, touch. Um, what do you think is your enlisting appointments? It's more, you're, you're, you're not even going in to win the pitch. You're just going in to get to know one another a little better. Probably know one another pretty well already. You're just digging deeper to prepare them for selling their house. Right. Does that kind of sum up? Absolutely. And then, you know, find out where, you know, getting some idea of their motivation. I mean, if yeah. they're, if they're, you know, if they just want to oh, test yeah. the market, <laughs> not in a big hurry. Well, well, I am, <laughs> uh, right. you know, and this isn't the market to just test the market. You know, even though we're in a good market, you still have to price it well. You, you, and, the market's kind of like electricity. You can mm-hmm. do really great things with it, get it sold. Or if you don't respect it, you can hurt yourself. Right. You know, I'll share a, a, a story that's very fresh as of yesterday. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I had a I had a, a a big listing on River Oaks Boulevard. That's like the big, you know, that's like our big uh, big boulevard in Houston with all the a lot of the really high end streets uh, houses. And I had a listing there that I listed. Um, that's been maybe four years ago. And you know, we started out thirteen or. 14 million or so, which was a stretch, but, and, and, you know, we spent a lot of time marketing it and open houses and events and ads and all that. And, and, um, we didn't get a lot of what well, we had showings and, and, uh, and then we went through some reductions and then finally they, they took it off because it, it had the old floral wallpaper and, and, and wine colored, uh, red, rooms and, and it's just dated so they took it off and they're uh, painting it white and gray which is you know that's the, the yeah. going thing right now yeah. <laughs> and um so they're in the process of doing that and i was showing up uh an out-of-town buyer they called me on one of my other listings and i was showing them that house and they were interested in it and they told me we only like to deal with the listing agent do, do you have anything else that's not that's not on the market and said, well, I'm getting ready to put this one on and, uh, I can arrange a private showing. And, and we did. And, um, they walked through and, um, we, we put it under contract yesterday. This is the 14 million, right? Well, and they, we dropped it down to now we were at eight, seven, five. So it was, uh, it was more realistic for sure. Not so bad. That's and, uh, not a bad price point for a house. But, but was really, um, what was really unique about this buyer, I think, was that uh, they're moving here from Miami and their broker in Miami is Jorge uh, Uribe. Uh, yeah. And he had just okay. closed their house. And they also had a house. They have a house listed in Santa Fe with uh, Tim Van Camp, our, our Sully's broker there. So 
uh, you know, they were definitely at home with Sotheby's. And then I met with them today to see about listing their house that they're selling here. So anyway. Back to your competitive edge, you just made a really great point. You talked about, we haven't talked all about your competitive edge, but a little bit of what we touched on was your relationships with other brokers and the network and the market leaders with Sotheby's. And, you know, you're doing transaction with these clients who are also working with um, Tim and Jorge in their markets. That's got to create, I can't tell you how many times when I'm working with a client and it doesn't occur to them or the other agent that we should all be communicating because mm-hmm. of the transition that they're going through. Um, did that, that probably was through the whole referral network. You guys kind of put that together. Was that a coincidence? Not at all. I mean, I, what happened was uh, they, I, I'd met them, actually I'd met the wife. She'd been maybe a year or so ago, looked at a house and then, and then uh, she said they had a place in Miami they were going to sell. And I was, I was like, oh, oh, I know Jorge there. And she said, he's our broker. Yeah. And they said, they said, and then she said, and yeah, we have a place in Santa Fe. And I said, yeah, no, Tim, there it is. He's our broker. So, so exactly. Anyway. That's what I mean. Yeah. And then right. you guys are all communicating. Yeah. So that's perfect. Um, so tell us a little bit about more about it's such a competitive industry. And you know a lot about this industry being that you've seen it change over the 41 years that you've been mm-hmm. doing it. Um, what gives you your competitive edge? Well, I, I think, um, Having been in it 41 years now, I've, I've built a, a personal brand and, and, and that's just, that's a track record of sales and history. Someone, people can go to my website and they can, they can see, they can map where all my listings and sales have been. And, and that's something that I, I, that's brought me business because people look at that and they want to be with an agent that works this area or the luxury market. Right. But what was the competitive edge that got you to that? Oh, it was just, I'd say, you know, my work ethic as well. I, I just, uh, um, let me see. And then, you know, I, I, I let's see, it seemed like I had written some notes about that somewhere. <laughs> Well, I know you talked a lot about empathy and that you've got right, empathy right. and that, you know, yeah. your personal brand, you've been doing this for 40 plus years. Really, a lot of it, too, is you really know how to leverage the tools that you have, such as Nikki Phil's magazine. And then the fact that, but I think the magic is, you know, you talk about a lot about all these tools that you have, but you know how to implement them and engage mm-hmm. with them to win business. And, uh, you know, I'm still learning. I mean, there's so many tools through Sotheby's that are at our fingertips that, uh, and honestly, I, 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 I can't say that I use them all, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to implement them as, as much as possible. You know, the social media, uh, I, I have, I've, you know, expanded my presence there. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, uh, you know, that, that brings some business, but I, I think it's, it's the combination of my, personal brand and Sotheby's. And I found that having, you know, I'm, I'm when, uh, our, when our broker, Martha Turner, she sold the company to Sotheby's like six years ago or longer. And we were always a big local brand, a uh, uh, broker in town and worked the high end. And, and we were, uh, well known here, but, uh, then somebody moving here from New York or Paris or wherever, they didn't know us, but they knew Sotheby's. So, 
I think, you know, that my, the, the combination of, of me matched with the, my brand with a Sotheby's brand, it's, it's, it's a, a great combination. And, uh, I, I, I'm so proud of our, our brand and, and yeah. our history. Well, I really. think too, you know, you hear a lot about, you've got ages of million dollar, whatever, what does mm-hmm. it mean? I still haven't watched the show. Million dollar, list, yeah. million dollar realtor or whatever it is. Right, right. They're all so exciting and so flashy and they're working deals and I think they're fighting a lot on TV and whatever. And for you, this is, I'm going to quote Kevin Brown for a minute, everybody. Kevin's like, you know, you ask people what their secret superpower is. They never know. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what it is. So I'm just going to say what I think it is and see if you elaborate. But you're steady and consistent. You keep things simple. You keep things consistent. You keep right. integrity. It's integrity at all times. And it's like you said, it's your, you're beyond an expert. 41 years in the business of learning it and doing it over and over. Like it's beyond, it's beyond brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny extra. you say that because I, uh, I, I asked, uh, you know, I, I'm, I started doing the ninja thing. If you know, I, 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 I'm doing that. I do their coaching. I don't know. Have you, have you done ninja at all or, or, uh, read the book ninja selling? Um, or, no, or, but I've been no. told about ninja selling <laughs> okay. over and over and over. Right. So, well, anyway, it's all, it's, it's yeah. relationships. You're, I'm sure you're a ninja and you don't even know it, but, uh, I, I, oh, signed I, up I for, yeah. Now I know the, the whole the, ninja. I know the concepts of it. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. And, uh, I like, I, I signed up for their coaching just cause I like being accountable, you know, having to report to someone because all of us are, we're, we're, we're a walking our own business and to have somebody to report to is important to me. And so I, I, I told, uh, Garrett Fry, he's my coach yesterday. I said, well, I'm going to be, um, talking to Jerry Metcalf on her podcast. And these were some of the questions. And one of them was, uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, what habit do you attribute to your success? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and these, and these were his words. And he said, I can answer that without a doubt. He said, you are authentic. And, and I took that as a huge compliment because, because, you know, to me, my work and my personal life, there's, they don't really, they, they overlap, they're integrated and, and to be authentic, you, you, it's, uh, I had another a, a buyer recently tell me that they liked working with me because I was, uh, what were his word? The most, um, unass- unassuming. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, to me, it's all about them. I don't want to, I'm not going to be, um, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm just some bald guy who sells real estate. I'm not a movie star and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in my ads going to be, I'm not putting big glossy pictures of me. In fact, I'm putting, uh, whatever print ads I do now, I just put my houses there. And then I have a huge picture of a big house and it's, you know, our really good photography. And then on the side, it might it just have some word like classic one sentence and underneath it, Walter Bering Sotheby's. And honestly, I've gotten more comments from that ad in business because it's, it's really not about me. It's, I want, it's about selling the house and I want, I want my name 
to be matched with that beautiful house. And that's the market that I'm working. If they just put those two together, then I've done it. And then, and plus, you know, other agents that uh, I know you do what works best for you. Yeah. There are a lot prettier agents than me, younger agents than me. So <laughs> I think, you know, that they, that, that, that will, you know, having their picture all over the place, um, it, 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 I know it helps. And it, it, you know, we certainly want to give the image of, of being su- successful. So. Well, it's kind of like everybody's got their secret sauce and their secret superpower. Right. And it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I love what you say, though. It needs to be about the client, about the house, about the service. That's what we're here for. We're here for the mm-hmm. client. That he's made, that he, that's who makes us successful. Right. What has been your biggest aha about, and you probably had quite a few over the years. My biggest aha was, uh, you know, when I made the transition or just kind of figured out it's really not work. I mean, this is, this is fun. I used to, I used to struggle with time. You know, how do I shut down? How do I compartmentalize my personal life with my business life? And the answer is you don't. You yeah. integrate the two. You can't. <laughs> you really can't. You can't. Yeah. There's one, and, and it doesn't matter what what you're doing. If you're what other activities, I'm. A, uh, I, I love to play tennis, and you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm playing tennis with friends and my club, and and we're not. I'm not out there to to get business, but it's a byproduct of it a lot of times, and just anything that is your passion. If you're passionate about it and you love doing it, you can't all those people that you're no, yeah. all those people you're in contact with, well, they they buy and sell real estate, and so and if exactly. so, I mean, how do you compartmentalize compassion or not com- compassion too? But what compassion is, ne- there's an aha about our business. A little compassion is necessary, but also right. passion. How do you compartmentalize compartmentalize passion? And that's the only way you're really good at this. You die, you wake up in the morning and you're excited about what your list, what you're going to do today. I mean, there well, are. <laughs> when you were making those cold calls 41 years ago, I bet you weren't excited yeah, about that. I was not excited about that. So when and did then, that, when did the, that shift happen? I think it, a lot of us get into this little hungry and desperate and right. then we kind of get over that hump. Um, I think it's when I just started, when I started working with my friends and, and, uh, and they liked working with me and we just, we had fun. We went out and looked at houses and we'd socialize and I'd go to their house, go to a party or whatever. I'll tell you, uh, one of my f- absolute favorite stories is, um, when I started early in the business and I did a lot of leases in your twenties and, yeah. and I, I had a, uh, my little brother in my fraternity, uh, he referred, he was in med school and he referred a doctor to me that was moving to Houston and they, they were, they just gotten married. They'd married, they had a, a baby and they needed a place to lease. I, I leased them a little condo for $700 a month. And then like two years later, he leased something for 1200 a month. And then, uh, like four years later, they're ready to buy and I showed them, sold them a $700,000 house. And then his sister, she, uh, she married a wealthy oil guy from, and she's from Peru. He's from New York. They are moving to Houston. They needed to find a house. You refer, I sold them a million dollar house. Well, she, she, they loved to entertain and they were in a real, uh, kind of sedate neighborhood and the police were getting all the t- called all the time. So she said, we need to go to River Oaks. And so 
So she calls me, and so uh, then I, I sold them a house in River Oaks. Uh, for only time this has ever happened. It was listed for two point five. We walked in the door. She opens the house. She goes, "I love it. We'll buy it, and I want all the furniture too." <laughs> and so, nice. so they bought that. And so, yeah. and then like three years later, I get a I had a listing on River Oaks Boulevard for fifteen million, and I thought, you know, I bet you they would like this house. So I just kind of started feeding it to her, and then. Like for Valentine's Day, I I, uh, I had our advertising department make a postcard with that of, of that house on the cover, and then a heart, and with her picture on it, and Brilliant. <laughs> it was kind of a joke, and sent it to her because she loved the house, and so she finally got her husband over there to look at it, and they loved to entertain, and so I, I set up like a little cocktail party. I had a waiter. It was how they lived. That's past hors d'oeuvres. They looked at the house and. And it took now them a this year. Was, was this your listing or was it this? It was my listing. Okay. My listing. And they were my buyer as well. It, it took them about a year, but I just kept having to feed them <laughs> that listing and they eventually bought it. And, and then, and then, and then they never sold in the other, other houses. So, uh, so then we ended up, and then actually his son came to town. I sold them a Four and a half million dollar house. Then we started selling the other houses that they held on, kept held on to. Wow. They had a home in Palm Beach. Uh, I referred that to Chris Condon at Sotheby's. And Chris Condon, talk about an icon in real estate. Yeah, and anyway, and then yeah. just last month they had a ranch outside of Houston, which was one of my my COVID sales. But my main point, getting back to the beginning, it all started with a seven hundred dollar a month lease. Yeah. And I hadn't miles. added it up, but it's probably, uh, it's, it's over, it's probably 50 or $60 million worth of business. $700 lease to a $1,200 lease to a, is it a million dollar sale already? 700 million. And then all of a sudden you're at a $14 million. Like, yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. And that's like, and that, that, that's how, uh, you know, that I, I have, they win the prize as far as the the best customer by far, or, or repeat business. But uh, that's what I like having that. And now I'm selling some of my friends' kids, and you know I, I sold a, a townhouse uh, to a friend of mine's daughter for two hundred and fifty thousand a couple of months ago, and it was I just it was fun. You know, I, it, it's not so much about the price, but fun, she yeah. was so excited. You may, you may, you have a lot of fun doing this, and you've learned to kind of almost stay in that place of not letting things shake you. I would guess. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing: like it's fun, and if you're not in real estate and you're listening to this, you just make it seem like everybody's nice and perfect, and there's never stress, and it's always because you've been doing it so long. So here's right. the question: how how do you? Because you're clearly a very unassuming, kind, non-judgmental person, but you've certainly seen, as we all do in this business, the worst of people. Mm-hmm. So how have you, how have you kind of evolved in handling that, you know, keeping your foundation, right. handling difficult people? What are some of your best lessons and stories on keeping who you are through all of that? Right. Oh yeah, I have to admit there there have been times when I'm I'm like on the ledge, <laughs> I'm ready right. to jump, <laughs> right? And uh, and we are dealing with so much stress. I mean, I have I've had bankruptcies and uh, you know there's death and 
divorce. And, you know, just uh, I have someone that had $11 million in IRS tax liens, you know, things that just just unconscionable. And just for me, it's hard for me. You know, this is probably my strength and my weakness is empathy. Uh, And and at times it, it that empathy part if you I can care too much to the point where it, it can it can you know it can take you into a dark side yeah. and that's where I just I have to step back and you know part of my morning routine is is you know it's a meditation or you know I, I Honestly, I get out Jesus is calling and I read what that, 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 uh, the devotional for the day. And it's amazing how often I read that. And it's like, Oh my God, you, you are talking right to me. This is exactly, you know, what happened today. And, and, uh, and it's, and it's funny you say that one, another one of our top producers at another company in the market, she called, she and her assistant called me one day. They were having a real hard, difficult situation. And, she asked me the question. She says, "Walter, what do, what do you do? How do how do you handle this when you, when you're about to jump off the ledge?" Yeah. And I just said, I just had to say, you know, I had I, I go to Jesus's calling, and she said, "I do too." And she opened up the book. I play roulette. I'll just wow. open the door. This is where I need to be today. So, you know, it's it, it, it it's this business is it's it's built on faith. You know, there's no it, guarantee. Yeah. Cannot make someone buy a house. Yeah. You want to talk and, about faith, not knowing when you're going to get paid and giving right. up hours and money and time mm-hmm. with no guarantee of anything. You got there's got to be some faith, some unshakable faith. Right. And that belief is that's at the core of it, I think. So, so it's, it, you know, think of two things. You I always think of faith and I think of and faith means different things to different people, mm-hmm. but also faith in, in that is is perspective. You know, gaining a little, and again, y'all, I'm going back to my book, Fortitude. I'm going to have to send you a copy because I think you're going <laughs> to like it. But he talks a lot about perspective on situations and right. a little bit about you. I think there's a tendency in the current environment to react quickly to things. Mm-hmm. Clearly don't do that. And there seems to be a little bit of, um, what is the word, reward in being passionate. And right. the word passionate can mean a lot of things. You're clearly passionate, but not reactive. And there's a level of discipline to step back and get perspective and meditate and read Jesus' calling or whatever it is for mm-hmm. each person to really step back and remember it's not just about me. Well, and there, I mean, this is where we're a counselor. I mean, we're not just selling out. We are we are we are helping navigate these people through a very difficult time a lot of times and so we have to have a steady hand exactly. and they're looking to us for that expertise and, and that discipline and, that it takes yeah and making these hard decisions and again these hard conversations um so so what is your so your meditation is this the meditation where you go in and you erase all thoughts from your mind is this guided meditation is this prayer is this reading is this what is your meditation Oh it's um you know um it's I, I it's it's reading I I'm, I'm I lead a bible study which which uh I it, uh, that's again something that uh uh, I've made some of my best friends in that, and 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 so we have these studies. So I'll I'll read a little bit a little bit of that. We'll have videos and 
And uh, that's when I when I'm being a good ninja. That's part of it, the morning routine. And then that's when you're uh, you write down what your 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 gratitudes and you know, what I'm grateful for this. And then I, I think that doing that to me when we always have something we can be grateful for yeah. and uh, even in the most dire situations yeah. and uh which goes back so, to faith and perspective right and uh so I, I think doing that and then i like to that's when i write my personal notes i think that a, a handwritten note is that a lost art and a gratitude that that's just a lost art and then and yeah. then so people don't they'll send a text or an email or whatever it's the not the same it's everything mm-hmm. kevin brown nikki field's partner for mm-hmm. the field team who has the field guy that i'm gonna get right. hold of <laughs> you know he did you know he was a he's gonna correct me when i get this wrong but he was a priest or he was priest or or practicing to be a priest or oh is that right you, you would love his interview because we talk about Jesus only had 12. You don't have to have everybody. But a lot yeah, of I knew Kev, uh, Kevin used to live in Houston actually at one point. So, as well. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward with that, with that in the, in your habits. So your habits are meditation, thoughtfulness, faith, hand notes every day. And you probably, I know the ninja habits are, I don't see, I know more about ninja than I'm letting on. Mm-hmm. I've done a couple of their webinars and that's it, but I love them. Yeah. But is, um, the hand notes every day, going through your clients every day and making and calls or something like that. It's, right? it's lunches and, you know, a couple of lunches, 10 notes. So what is it? Two notes more, a day. Two notes a day. Right. And the lunches, making your calls, uh, and, and honestly, I, I, I've yet to ever have a perfect week. You know, you just can't do, it's, uh, I'm not going for perfection though. You know, if I can get in three calls or what, just, uh, it's touching base with people and we, we want to be top of mind and it's, and you're calling, you know, they could have what you call, um, a forward call which is F-O-R-D, family, occupation, recreation, or dreams. And so when you make a call, you want to, you know, you, you go on those topics and then, you know, how's the family or how are you holding up in, you know, COVID lockdown. Yeah. And then it kind of goes into real estate and then you end up with a, another forward topic. So it's not, it's not salesy. It's not exactly. like, you know, you want to list your house with me? Okay, bye. <laughs> they'll let you want them to let you know you got to flip the script right you yeah. position yourself where they're coming to you and then also that's one thing in these in this climate right now you know people they're answering the phone people talk they want if yeah. they're at home by themselves they they are delighted to, to chat with somebody it's given us the opportunity to uh, be still but it's true be still reflect and reconnect with the people mm-hmm. and the things and the activities that are really important mm-hmm. to us. You know, one what other thing is, that just... Oh, oh, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. You know, one other thing that just uh, popped into my head, you know, I told you I'm a tennis player and, yeah. and you know, tennis matches are not necessarily won, you know, by hitting winners all the time. They're won by your opponent making unforced errors. Yeah. And as an agent... You know, that's something that I try to minimize my unforced errors. And, and, and as an agent, our unforced errors are things like, 
first off, not answering the phone. You know, we get too busy uh, and people, you, see, you get a number, it's on your cell phone, you don't recognize the number, it goes in the voicemail, you know, and it could be somebody trying to sell you sure something, out. who knows, but I, yeah. uh, but, uh, or, you know, uh, I can't tell me how many times I've just answered the phone and they said, oh my God, you answered the phone, <laughs> I expected to get your voicemail. Or they you start talking and it and it's uh, someone that was referred to me. It, it's business coming in, and and so I, I think it's important for us to be accessible. You know, starting with here's answering the, the phone, answering okay, here's, texts. Here's a question now, mm-hmm. because that is a great point. As you become, I really like it's becoming more and more successful in the beginning. I got a lot of business because they're like, you know, since I just won't even take me for my call. I'm like, wow, that's easy. So yeah. I'm the next one in line because of the marketing and positioning and all those right. things. So I'm first in mind when whoever, by that unforced error. But when you, when you get, become that successful agent that wants to answer the calls, but you've got all of this, all of these things to deliver on, how do you balance all that out so you can avoid that unforced error back to maybe where you were going with it? Yeah, well, that's where I, you know, I, I, I have two assistants right now and then I'm, I'm, you know, I can, I can, you know, they're my backup, um, but I'm, I'm the rainmaker. So I've got to take that call Yeah, and, you know, or that text or that email. And then another part of, you know, just showing up, you know, it's amazing how some people just don't show up for, you know, an open house or whatever. And did you hear Beth Beth Dickerson, who we know? I did listen to. Yeah, I what happens when you show up? <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, and then also you know dressing the part. I think that's important. You oh, know, I, I and I think that's so undervalued these days. It is. I just got a listing uh, over four million dollar listing. I, I think it's because I wore a tie. <laughs> wow. They were so they were so impressed that I came. I came to the appointment. You know, I was wearing a mask. But it also was wearing a tie and it's like, oh, man, you know, because everybody's kind of dressing down. And, and I personally, I had to I worked at home for a while. And, you know, you can work in your shorts or boxer shorts or whatever around the house, make calls. But mentally, I, I, I did that. and I thought, oh, my God, I've, I've lost my mojo. You so know, I got to I've got to get up in the morning. I got to put my routine. I got to do my routine. I got to get my tie on and I've got to I got to get, get my head. Yeah. Uh, wrapped around working. I, I just, I, I don't work well at home, obviously, but uh, it just, so. <laughs> I've gotten better at it. Now, now yeah. I'm going to the office a good bit. Right. Um, everybody else is. Um, I've decided it's my office. Anyway, <laughs> what has been anyway. your biggest, this is going to be the last question before our last three questions to close us Uh-oh. out. But what has been your biggest breakthrough, you think, in this business? Oh, my biggest breakthrough. I think it's, you know, my, my path, it's been a long road. And, and like I said, I, I started working with my dad. I worked with him for 16 years. And honestly, during that time frame, I did not make very much money. And although it was a real special time because I worked with my dad and he was very well respected in the business. He was the president of the Houston Association of Realtors, Texas Association of Realtors. He won every award. And, and that's really where he was my role model. And I, I got my, uh, just learned so much from him. But when we decided to shut our company down, I always thought in the back of my mind, I would go work for Martha Turner. And then I, uh, cause she really worked the luxury market where I wanted to be. 
But I felt like I needed to interview everywhere at the time. And so I talked to other top brokers and they said, oh, Walter, we'd love to have you. You'll fit in here with some of our top agents. You'll do great. And then I met with Martha and she sat down with me and I told her what my numbers were. And at the time, it was the best year I'd ever had. And she looked at that and she said, I think you can do twice this much. And I'm like, really? Love that. And it was, yeah. she was a school teacher by nature. And I just thought, I'm going to work for you. And not only have I done twice that, I've done more than 10 times that since I've been with her. And, and, and I, I think of it as working with my dad. Those were the years that were grooming me to get, to get me at Martha Turner and ultimately at Sotheby's where I am today. And like I said earlier, I, I'm, I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> love it. I love it. All right, final three questions. Okay. Number one is, what is your biggest resource or tool that you use in your business that contributes to your success, other than your telephone? Is it a CRM? <laughs> is it a way that you do things? Is it a habit that you have? Is it, this is broad. Right. But it's to dig a little deep and get a little bit... Yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, I, I'd have to say my, I, I used the top producer, the, the CRM that's been around forever, and I've been using it for 24 years now. So I've got my whole database on there. I have my uh, team. We're all on the same calendar. So we know where everyone is at, at each hour. Yeah. Uh, I like it because it, it also, you have, you, you, I have all my listings in there with, uh, there's like a default plan. You know, we, we put it in MLS. We're advertising here. It's like a punch list. It's every listing is there. And at the moment I'm, I'm managing almost, I think 30 listings. And, and wow. Okay. We haven't even tapped into that. <laughs> and then, but it also follows your closings. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to, to manage a lot of business, uh, it, it, I know there are other CRMs, but I, I'm, I'm so invested in it right now. And I've got it down and, and, you know, it's on my phone as well, but that's what I, I'm checking that constantly. So cause we're getting to the end. Can we do another interview literally on just how you manage 30 listings? <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, well, I'd love to, this has been fun. So, so y'all know Walter's not going to tell me no, but when we're recording, so when he doesn't come back on, you'll know what the answer was <laughs> quickly on the 30 listings in case we don't get you back on. How do you, so obviously you do it with the CRM, you have two assistants, and then you talked about a team. I always think of Walt, you as Walter, I'm not, you're my, like, like Walter, but you've got, when you say team, is that you and your assistants? You have some, I'm agents? not, yeah, I'm not set up as a team. I mean, it's, it's okay. a, a me and two the assistants. Two assistants. They're, they're licensed and, you know, yeah. they're helping me accompany showings and inspections and, you know, we're, we're all over the place. And they so. work as, does one focus more on listings and closings or how do you know who's doing what when? I have one that is, uh, uh, he, Ed is my, he, he really helps me with the, the contract to close quite a bit. And I, I hired him because he, he was a, a, a top agent in our office and he'd sold some of my listings and, and, he was just hammering away at us on inspections and, and, you know, and he was really good at it. And then I said, I want you to work for me. And so, so now when we're, right. when we're working with buyers or sellers, he's very good at itemizing the repair list and, and going in there and, 
and getting things settled and getting an, an amendment or an agreement. So, but having him, it's great to have him on my side, on the buy side, and then on the sell side. You know, I, I you know, he's very good at keeping our deals together. But he he, then, he doesn't. That's one of his specialties, and and you know, there are many. We, we're all we all know each other's job. What about the so the other assistant? Is that more on the listing side? He's uh, he's more on the listing side, right? And uh, he, he's my younger millennial type, and so he, he's learning quite a bit. And but the best thing about him is he has a great attitude, and he wants to learn. He's just a sponge, and 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 uh, you know, it, it, I've had you know the, the attitude. If they want to learn and be there, it, that makes it so absolutely. And when you guys handle buyers, are you handling the buyers and they're kind of there when you can't be, or are they just doing more administrative or how does that work? No, I, I'm really working the buyers as well. And then if I'm not available, I, I, I like to have my, get my clients to where they're comfortable. They know Ed and Gary, my the other assistants, so that, um, you know, sometimes I'll bring Ed in on a conference call just so that, you know, they get used to speaking to him as well. I, I don't want, my clients to feel like they're being pawned off to the assistant. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I can't be five places at once. So, and they respect that, but I, I, um, you know, I, I, I want to keep my personal touch, but when I can't be there, they are my eyes and ears. And Great. That's a great setup. I think, um, my ne- that was like my first to final three was five questions or so. But the mm-hmm. second question is if there's any book, any book that you would say, this is the book that you have to read that makes a difference, that's made a difference in your life, your career, whatever it is. You just, you can't, you can't be on this planet without reading this. Well, I, I guess I go back to Ninja Selling. I, I just, cause I, uh, to me, it's not, that's not just real estate. It, it's, it's a lifestyle. And at the heart of it, it's just, being a good person mm-hmm. and, and that's, that attracts people to you and, and being authentic, being yourself. Yeah, they're not and we all have our own style. Uh, you know, that's what I, I've gotten the biggest kick out of your podcast because everybody is so different. And, and, and I, I would look at that and I'd compare myself to them. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not anything like that. But they, uh, I, I'll tell you two qualities that everyone has though is that I, they, they, no, everyone, yeah. I haven't said yeah, everyone, all the top producers, they, first off, they are in constant contact with people. Yeah. Uh, but that's essential. And then secondly, they are, I used to say walking encyclopedia, but that nobody knows what that is anymore. I'd say <laughs> walking Google. They're a right? walking. They're a walking Google of their marketplace. I had an encyclopedia just for the record. Yeah, but so, it wasn't you know, online because you can't have one without the other. You you know if you're in constant contact with people, great, you're a socialite. But if you have that market knowledge that goes with it, then you put the two together. You're an expert, and you're you know your market, and you're in touch with people. I've seen people that are you know there are a lot of people that are very well socially connected, but they don't know the market. And then there are those people that know the market backwards and forwards, but they don't, they don't have the context they or they don't have the, people, the, the people skills. Yeah. yeah. You're so right. What a great example. I mean, it's so basically like we talked about 
the common denominator of all truly successful agents, just to repeat what you said for everybody, is number one, they're connectors. Mm-hmm. They understand people. They understand connecting people. I think it's understanding how to see the needs of people and put people on properties together. Right. And number two, they have knowledge and they know how to implement. It's not just having, I think, and I think this is elaborating what you're saying is it's not just knowing the right people. It's not just knowing the right stuff. It's knowing how to connect those dots together to make the right things happen Right. from a place of integrity because that's where the real value is, mm-hmm. not just for the sake of a deal. Right. Um, last question. Okay. <laughs> Unless you got something else to say on that. Uh, no, I think we're good. So, one day I'm just going to have a podcast and let somebody sit there and I'll just do all the talking. Because I love okay. to talk. It's just kidding. Great. Just kidding. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm so inspired when I interview everybody on the show. Last question is, if there's one thing that we should take away from this, if we're just going to have to forget everything else, what is that one thing? The one thing... I just think we have to... You have to... We have to, you have to be yourself. You have to... It gets back to we are all different. We're... You do what works best for you. And... And being true to yourself and... And we are, we are, people are trusting us with most, in most cases, their biggest asset. And so we have to be trustworthy. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't reflect that, that feeling of trust, then they're going to pick somebody else. And even if it's not their biggest financial asset, it is their biggest emotional asset. Mm -hmm. Even bigger. It is, yeah. I, you know, dealing with like commercial real estate and residential real estate. You know, the commercial—it's about the business deal going in for the kill. And they're all so mean in that business. I can they say are, that because my husband does it. We negotiate a resident, and he just gets so mean. I'm like, honey, that is not. You just look at the trouble with that stuff. These agents are going to eat you alive with your meanness. Yeah. Right. Right. They say our business is cutthroat, but it's really because if you're not being nice, you will get eaten alive. You will. And, and uh, relationships, whether they're friends, you know, other realtors are, you want to be that, I want to be that agent that other agents want to work with. I mean, how often, how many agents do you know? You see the listing, it's like, oh my God, you remember this dreadful transaction you had with them and you have a choice of showing that house or this other one who you had this wonderful, wonderful transaction with. um, Well, and you know how that is so relevant. Ty Stockton, and I think he's been on our show two or three times. Mm-hmm. He, the last interview we had, I think he's been twice. He made such a great point. He said, we don't realize it. And you, you know, Ty's in Vail and they, they mm-hmm. just we mentioned he did the $50 million transaction right. recently. And he, you know, his numbers, are, he's the top agent, top team there. Anyway, he says, our clients are looking for our permission to buy a property. Mm-hmm. especially when you get in that, even though they've made it, they're there, they need to know it's okay. And when you look at a listing and even whether it's conscious or subconscious and the agent on the sun is really not somebody you want to work with. Mm-hmm. When that client starts looking at you for permission to buy the property, it gets a lot harder to get it to them. Just saying. Right. <laughs> to your point. Yeah. So, I, 
I just don't, I don't want to be that agent. You know, I, I yeah. want people to want to work with me. Have, have, have a, uh, and it is very valuable. So. It's valuable. And it, it took me a while to learn it, but luckily I've been in this business 18 years. So I finally figured it out about halfway through, embarrassingly enough. Well, I'm still advice. trying to figure it out. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, the, di- having... the discipline of you, Walter, the discipline, the character, the integrity. I mean, I just, the, the most of all, that's what I love so much about this interview today is just letting everybody see that, that you're so humble for what you've done and what you've accomplished. Um, and that doesn't keep you from success. It just, it just feeds it and makes you so great. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful to be where I am. I'm grateful to be on your show. And, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I've enjoyed watching it. I I mean, I think what you do is absolutely brilliant to, I mean, to pick all these brains of all these different people. And, and, you know, if you can leave one interview with one little nugget that, that, uh, you know, it can make us all, you can, it can, it can turn a career around sometimes. It has. It has I kind of got into this to get out of it, but it kind of mm. got me deeper into it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing what we learn from this business. And from yeah. One another. Well, it's Thank life. So it's what it is. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs>